Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in to Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. I am the Al, and with me is the Chad. How is the Chad doing today? Bueno, como estar ustedes? Um, yo estoy bien, uh, muchas gracias. Oh, it's been hey, that's so it. I'm tapped, I'm tapped, I'm that's yeah. it. My door of the Explorer has run out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I did take Spanish in high school, but it's been uh, it's been a long time since I've actually had to speak it. The only time I've ever actually had to use it in a practical setting, I guess you could say, or a real world setting. Many okay. years ago, I went to a an international scouting event in Michigan. And I, I was helping the archery director teach some scouts from Mexico how to shoot archery. So okay. yeah, that was the only time I ever actually uh, used any of the Spanish I learned. But I actually took four years of French in high school, and I remember a few of the swear words, and that's about it. You know, and that's the strange thing about foreign language classes. It seems the 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 words that the first year students seem to always pick up are the swear words because it seems that the, you know, the upper level students, it's like they felt it was their responsibility or their duty to teach the, you know, the first year language students, all the naughty words. It, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't know how your school did it, but the way my school did it is you could take a foreign language when you reached eighth grade. Because I went to one of those schools where it was high school and middle school in the same building. So you had 7th grade through 12th grade. Oh, okay. And again, when you reached 8th uh, grade, you had the option to do a foreign language. Now, when I first started, the options were Spanish, German, and French. Though when you got to ninth grade, you could also take Latin. And my senior year, we actually started offering Japanese. Oh, okay. But I never got a chance to do that, so... Yeah, my school was, um, you could take a foreign language for one of the three trimesters, 7th and 8th grade, and you could do different ones. You could take the same one twice, but they were just, you know, introductory type things. Mm -hmm. And I took German, and I didn't like it. So then when I started high school, I took French, and I did okay in it, so I did it for four years and got the foreign language credit and blah, 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 but... And the way that our our uh, our classes were structured there is like usually you had the first and second year Spanish students or language students in the same class, and then if you moved on, you had the like third and you know higher level students in the more advanced class. So that that's just how our our school. Yes, yeah, and I I'm not sure how they do it exactly. I my oldest daughter has been taking German since. Well, I guess sixth grade, maybe, because she's starting German six this year as a senior. So okay, but well, we got off, got a little, little bit off topic yeah, right away. We're not so. here to talk about foreign languages, are we? I don't think we are. All right, so so what are we here to talk about today, Al? We are here to talk about two things that are actually fairly closely related, I think: geek humor and memes. Now, because I remember I've wanted to do a show about geek humor for a long time. And I know you actually mentioned how about doing a show about memes. So that's where I decided, okay, well, let's combine the two because, like I said, they can be very closely related. Now, first, a meme is defined as an idea, behavior, or style that spreads from person to person within a culture and it can be used to convey cultural ideas, symbols or practices usually through you know images and words and you know recently we just did the you know that that quickie episode where we talked about Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. Oh yeah, and Willy Wonka, the original one with Gene Wilder, he is a meme. Yeah, cuz you you've seen it all over. I mean, I've seen people use it on Facebook where it's got the, they call it the sarcastic Willy Wonka meme where it's got him doing that, you know, goofy little grin. And usually it's meant to be something that's like biting sarcasm. Yep, absolutely. Uh, it can be political. It can be, 
It, it can be anything, really. I mean, I've seen all kinds of them. Yeah, and on, I honestly, since unfortunately he did pass away not too long ago, because uh, we're recording this on Labor Day, so and he uh, unfortunately passed away on August 28th. And I actually, I wonder how he felt about that image being used so so much, because I know that's one thing in the the days of social media where some people they don't like it how their picture gets attached to a meme, especially if it's used to imply that this is an idea or an opinion that this particular person had when they may not have believed in that idea or they may not have held that opinion. Right, right. Um, You know, it's unfortunate, uh, but um, actually Gene Wilder suffered from Alzheimer's disease for about the last two years, according to an interview I heard with his um, nephew the day he died. And he wanted to keep that from everybody. That's why we, you know, nobody knew about it until after he had passed away. And the reason that he, his uncle had told him that is he didn't want, you know, cause he, he would go out somewhere and kids would see him and their faces would light up because they made that recognition of him as Willy Wonka or him as, you know, whatever. And he thought that they might be afraid to, you know, come up to him or talk to him if they knew that he had Alzheimer's disease. So that's why he didn't want anybody to know about it. He didn't want that stigma placed on him as a person so that the people that saw him and got joy and everything from seeing him would lose that. Yeah, and that that's you know kind of sad that there is that stigma, as you mentioned, that does go along with certain things in society and, and which we're not gonna not really gonna get into right now and Right. I mean I know one person who's who's actually sort of embraced the memes that, well, I don't know if you'd really call them necessarily true memes, but they, you know, the Chuck Norris facts Uh where, you know, it's things like, uh, I think one of my favorite ones is at night, the boogeyman checks under his bed for Chuck Norris. Okay. Uh, There was another one that went around when Pokemon Go was starting to get popular. Uh, It said, you know, Chuck Norris caught all the Pokemon with a landline. I think my I think my personal favorite Chuck Norris meme is Chuck Norris does not do push ups, he pushes the world away or something like that. Yeah, he pushes the earth from under him. Yep. Another one is there is a bear on the floor in Chuck Norris's den. The bear isn't dead, it's just too afraid it's just too scared to move. Um another good one, Chuck Norris died twenty years ago. Death just hasn't worked up the courage to come tell him yet. <laughs> so, and, and I guess he start he started out originally he wasn't too crazy about them, but eventually he kind of warmed up to the idea, and they even did it in one of the Expendables movies he was in, oh, okay. where it's like uh, Sylvester Stallone asks his character, "They say you were bit by a cobra," and he's like, "Yes," and five agonizing days later, the cobra died. <laughs> so. But we'll talk about memes, but first, let's talk about geek humor. We've already given a definition for a meme. It's this idea or behavior that gets passed on through society, usually through, you know, attached to an image. And But what about geek humor? I mean, I think that can be a little harder to define. So would you think that geek humor is humor aimed at geeks or humor made by geeks? I'm going to go with yes on that, because I think it's a mixture of both. Okay. There's definitely uh, an argument to be made for, you know, it's it's humor aimed at geeks. Um, you know, you can look at it anywhere, and, and it doesn't have to be just, you know, it's not just role-playing geeks. It's not just board game-playing geeks. It's everything. It's It's up to everything, and including such things, you know, as those fringe geek things like furries and... You know, people that dress up as Power Rangers, I consider that the cosplay. fringe. Cosplay. Yeah, cosplay. It may not be fringe, but to me it's fringe because it's not the geek stuff that I'm into. Yeah, and I agree. It's because it incorporate. it can aim at not just role players, as you were mentioning, but video game players and people who play the collectible card games as well. Yes, absolutely. And I think that behind that, that's why sometimes... Like you and I, I, you and I are both role players, but you're more than of a, 
you're you're like a video game player. Um, I don't know how much board gaming you do, but I do a lot of board gaming as well as RPG. I can tell you how much board gaming I do. Not enough. Okay. <laughs> so you may look at a meme that's out there about board gamers, and you might look at it and go, well, this could be funny if I understood the reference. You know, like, and I do the same thing with a lot of the video game memes. I look at it and I go, I'm guessing this is funny, but since I don't understand, you know, I don't know anything about Zelda, so maybe it's funny. Yeah. You know? And I think you make a good point is that when you have this type of humor that's written by geeks for geeks, like when we were deciding ideas and what to discuss, you sent a, a, some pictures to me of some of your favorite memes. And one of them had a picture of Obi-Wan from Star Wars Episode Four, And it said, Thaco. Now, there's a name I haven't heard in a long time. And if you're not a role player, specifically if you're not really familiar with Second Edition... Yeah, you're going to go, Thaco? What, what's that? Why is that funny? And yeah. another one of that uh, that you sent is there was a picture of a Grim Reaper, and it said, Deck of Many Things. <laughs> Aw, crap. Because, like I said, if you're not familiar with, well, even if you're not familiar with Dungeons & Dragons, you can kind of look at that and think, okay, well, apparently a Deck of Many Things can do bad things because it's summoning the Angel of Death. Well, it's one of the things it can do. Oh, one of them, yes. But it can do good things, too. You can gain 20,000 XP. Or you could have your soul locked away for all eternity in a stone. <laughs> I have had one of my, one result that is very helpful with a uh, deck of many things. There's the one that lets you avoid a situation once. And yeah. I had to use that in a campaign because uh, the I was playing a ranger in the party and I drew that particular card. Later we were fighting uh, an archmage and he hit him with a prismatic spray. Okay. And he got the result that would transport him to another, you know, to another plane. And he rolled the nine hells. So let's see. I think that's a good time to use that avoid getting, uh, you know, that that was a good time to use the avoid a situation uh, power, right? <laughs> that's when you hit the big old nope button of the nopiest. Yes. I don't think a chaotic good ranger is going to last very long in the nine hells. Let me see. Let me start my stop. Oh, wait, it's, I'm done already. You're Never done mind. already. Yep. And, <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's like I said, it's one of those things where you might be, you might understand that, okay, a deck of many things can do bad things, but just by seeing the Grim Reaper, you might not exactly understand why your gamer friend looks at that and thinks that it's, that's hilarious. Right. Or, you know, like Thaco, we were talking about that in second edition, they use this as your, your ability to hit somebody. It was called two-hit armor class zero. And second edition, as much as I grew up on second edition, as much as I enjoy second edition, it's very number crunchy. So what you had to do is you had to take your die roll, and then you had to figure out, based on your opponent's armor class, what exactly armor class you hit. So... Let's say I have a Thaco of 16, all right? So I roll a 12, and I go, okay, so, I have a, so that means I hit an armor class 4, which sounds low to anybody that's never played 2nd edition, but that's actually a pretty high-level armor because your armor went from 10, positive 10, to negative 10. Actually, if I can just uh, throw in a quick story there. Sure. Um, When my my current group I'm with, or one of them anyway, we were... Uh, we were doing second edition and we were playing at our local hobby store and there was a guy who was there because there's another group that games the same, that games every week or almost every week, except they do fifth edition. Okay. And he was wondering if we were the fifth edition group and, you know, we told him, you know, no, we're doing second edition, but we invited him to, uh, you know, to watch and we gave like, him a character that he could out. play. Yeah. And, you know, he was kind of confused. It's like, you know, we were saying it's like, okay, an armor class, we were explaining armor class to him and how like a negative 10 is the best possible armor class. And he's like, wait a second, how can armor class be negative? 
Because <laughs> he had, I, I guess that he had started with like fourth or fifth edition. So, oh, yeah. yeah, so he, you know, we explained how, yeah, that's, that's what it was back in the day where, yeah, 10 was your absolute worst, negative 10 was your absolute best. Yeah. So, but yeah, to continue with what you were saying there, um, yeah, and I know Thaco, I mean, okay, I've been playing second edition for close to 30 years. Okay. So for me, I can say that, yeah, Thaco is not that big of a deal because I've been doing it for almost three decades. But I mean, I can understand that for younger people, you know, who are, especially ones who are used to the armor class, you know, where like an armor class of 20 is really good or like 25 right. are really good. Right. I can understand how this concept of negative armor classes could be a little confusing for them. Well, absolutely. When I first started playing, I see, I didn't start with Dungeons and Dragons. I'm kind of an odd role player that way. When I started playing, I started playing with, um, Call of Cthulhu, actually. Uh, third, third or fourth edition. I can't remember. Um, so it was, everything was percentile based. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, um, from there, I played a bunch of other, different type of, you know, not the mainline role-playing games. There's all these, um, I played some Middle-Earth role-playing. I played things like that. Then I moved, and so I lost the group I had been playing with in Wausau, and I moved to Eau Claire um, because my wife was going to school there, and we were getting married and, you know, all the fun stuff that goes with that. So I moved to Eau Claire, and um, the group I found there eventually, they were second-end players. The first month that I played was like, it was my head just spun every time they tried to explain something to me. (laughs) You know, it was just like, whoa, you mean what? You know, it was just, it was that kind of reaction on a regular basis. And I'll tell you, if the group of guys that I started playing with hadn't been the group of guys I started playing with, you know, uh, as far as personalities and that kind of stuff, there's no way I would have stuck with second ed. I would have been like, you people are insane. Yeah. (laughs) So, looking back, though, what are some of the earliest examples of things that you would probably consider geek humor? Oh. Because for me, I would have to say, I would go back to Dragon Magazine. And also, if you look at some of the original printings of, like, the first edition D&D, AD&D, they had some of the cartoony drawings in there. Like, again, this is a good example of a picture that might not make sense to the average person, but there's this one where, you know how in some car- times in cartoons, if someone's afraid of something, they jump into the arms of someone standing next to them, and, you know, they're holding them yeah. up, like, you know, Scooby-Doo yeah. and Shaggy used to do a lot. Well, there was one of a knight in plate mail cowering in fear in the arms of a wizard because a rust monster had just appeared. And again, if you didn't know what the heck a rust monster was, you would look at that and be like, huh? That seems backwards. Yeah. And and they had a few other ones that were funny too. Like another one of those comics I remember, there was a picture of uh, some wizards standing around and one of them was holding a wand that had a hand on it. And they're like, well, it's either a wand that allows a wizard to throw the various Bigby's hand spells, or it's a plus two black back scratcher. We're not exactly sure which. Yeah, I think my my earliest run in was well the dungeon the dragon magazines, but I think Knights of the Dinner Table. Yep, that was another one I was going to mention too. So, what are some of are there any strips from the Knights of the Dinner Table that you remember or that stand oh, out for you? Not not right off the top of my head. Um, you know, um, geez. No, not off the top of my head, man. I just, I, I'm not really coming up with anything, but. The gazebo? The gazebo. You don't remember the gazebo? No. Okay. The DM was describing this scene where they went into some, you know, open field and he said, you see a gazebo. So the three players start attacking it. They start throwing fireballs and shooting from their crossbows at it. And and they're like, it's still standing. This is the toughest gazebo we've ever seen. And it's like, then it's like at the end of the strip, you know, he gives them their experience points. And it's like the the dungeon master's like, I don't have the heart to tell them. 
because they thought the gazebo was actually some kind of monster. Right, right, and, but it's just the gazebo. Yeah, <laughs> another one that really stands out for me that I still remember, I don't remember many of the names of the characters in the, okay. the strip, but this was before they introduced the female gamer into the group, but okay. they were they found a secret passage that was, you know, some stairs going down. And the uh, heavier set guys, well, okay, first of all, the dungeon master was like, you know, this this next level, it's going to be really tough. Are you sure you want to go there right away? And, you know, they're like, yeah, let's do it. He's like, no, I'm serious. This is going to be very difficult. And then the, the heavier set member of the group was like, uh, you know, guys, maybe we shouldn't. And he basically made his get DM hint check because the other twos, uh, you know, the other two gamers, you know, they have their characters rush down there, they trigger a trap, and they, they die in a rock collapse, or, you know, collapsing <laughs> rocks. And, right. Um, the, you know, they, they walk away all upset, and the one gamer whose character survived, he's like, be honest, you didn't finish the next level, did you? And he's like, what'll it take to buy your silence? He's like, ah, that double dough pizza and a six-pack of Snapple should suffice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was because there was there was nights at the dinner table, and then there's Order of the Stick. Are you familiar with the Order of the Stick? I've heard of it, and I've seen one episode, or I've seen like one issue of it, but okay. I'm not. It's not something that I'm intimately familiar with. Okay, Order of the Stick is one that I read quite a bit, actually. Um, it's a it's an online comic, um, so you can go out and you can read them all from the very beginning, but you know, have a couple days because there's a lot of them out there. But I think the thing when that one, it's a group of five explorers, you know, and they're always on this adventure. They've been on the same adventure now for, you know, eight years or whatever it's been. At one point, when, when D&D changed from 3.5 to 4th edition, the artist decided to have some fun with that. So, like, over a, a stretch of two or three comic strips, he would, you know, the, the cleric would get you know, this bonus, because it was this much better in 4th Ed. Like, I think the hit dice went up on a cleric. So, you know, oh, I feel more powerful. And then, you know, the wizard got, um, you know, more spells or spells that they could be used more often. So, ooh, I got more power, you know. Fighter gets this and that. They get to the rogue. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with this, Al, but I'm, I'm very much a rogue player. That's what I play. I play thieves. I play cutthroats. I play, you know, the rogues. And the rogue comes out there and he stands up and he's like, I wonder what I get. And then the damage of his short sword goes from die eight to die six. And he's like, oh. <laughs> so, you know, it was just one of those things where, you know, all these all these characters are getting all this cool stuff. And then the rogue gets kind of screwed in the end, you know. And it's just like, oh. <laughs> so, you know, those kind of things. I, I always enjoy those kind of things um, where they take a look at what's really happening but then make it funny or make it so it's easily digestible. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's always nice when they can do that. And I mean, when you're talking about something that's just a hobby, like gaming, not something serious. Yeah, it is kind of just funny. Just a when... hobby. Just a hobby. Oh, you're right. Sorry. It's it's a way of life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when you're talking about gaming, you know, the where, yeah, it is funny when they do capitalize on stuff that's happening in the real world. Like one game company... I forgot the name of the company, but have you ever heard of Paranoia? No. It's, is it a game or? It's a role-playing game. It takes place in the future, and it's one of those games where it's designed to kill off your characters really quickly. Oh, okay. And, you know, each character gets a bunch of clones. So, like, whenever you you die, there's this clone that instantly appears of you. Okay. And they would, they change the, the names of the edition, and then when their latest edition came out after Windows XP. So they called it Paranoia XP. So, yeah, I mean, it is kind of funny when they can't capitalize what's happening in the real world when they can do that in their, you know, the comic or their, you right. know, their game like that. What about movies and TV shows? Are there any movies or TV shows that you think could be considered good examples of geek humor? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the one right out of the gate that I, I don't think anybody can argue, and that's Big Bang Theory. Okay, yeah, and I think there are people who will disagree with you on that. I mean, my friend Dawn, 
her main complaint, well, we were talking once, and her main complaint about Big Bang Theory, I mean, I definitely get what you mean when it is designed to be a bit more, you know, geek-related humor. Well, right, they're they're in the comic books, they play... They play Dungeons um, & Dragons in a few episodes. Yep, they play Dungeons & Dragons, they play, uh, there's a board game they play all the time, that's a big one. Um, they're usually talking about Star Wars or Star Trek. Star Wars, Star Trek, they play a game, it's it's not magic, but it's set up to look and feel like they're playing a game of magic. So, you know, that's what I look at it, when I think of geek humor, because, you know, that's the stuff that I do. Yep. Talk to my friends about Star Trek and Star Wars, I'll I'll sit down and play a board game, I'll sit down and, you know, do an RPG or whatever, so, to me, that that is geek. Now... I guess I could see where she said, well, it's not geek humor, though. These are things they do in their daily lives, but they're not really, you know, they're not living these lives. You know, they're scientists, they're doctors, they're this, they're that. But to me, it still resonates to me as geek humor. Yeah, and I well, I think, I don't, okay, it's been a while since we've talked about it, but I don't think she was trying to imply that it wasn't geek humor. She just felt that the show fell into this rut where it's like, Usually early on in the episode, they'll make some geek culture or geek humor reference, and then Penny doesn't get it, and they have to spend most of the episode explaining it to Penny. Right, but that that's the whole point of that show is uh, Penny is A-cute, she's B, not that smart, and she is uh, C, you know, like a small child. She has to be, it has to be explained to her. And by the way they go through those three points of trying to explain it to her and and tell her how it works and this, that, and the next thing, I think that actually makes it very much geek-like. At least the groups I've played with, if you don't know how to play a game or you don't know how to role-play or whatever, hey, come on in. We'll teach you. We'll show you. We'll let you. We'll help you explore it so that you can figure out how you want to do the things you want to do. If you want to role-play, all right, come on in. We're not going to tell you how to do it. We're going to give you suggestions. And you're slowly going to work from the, you know, the rogue giving you suggestions on how to play your fighter into, well, I'm going to try this. And nobody's going to go, nope, can't do it. Yeah, and I think what she was, I said, I could be wrong on this. And maybe one of these days I'll bring Dawn on again to, uh, so we can talk about this more. But I think she was trying to say that it became a crutch where it seems that's what they were doing all the time and it it got boring after a while. So, like I said, I don't know, maybe I'll have to have Dawn back on one of these you know, days. I and- can see that argument. Uh, it doesn't get boring for me, but I can see that argument. But then again, show me a modern-day TV show, any, any one of them that isn't built on a formula of some sort, whether it's Monster of the Week, whether it's Dumb Blonde Needs to Learn, whether it's, you know... Um, we find victim A, we have to figure out who, you know, the bad guy is. They all live on some sort of a formula, and, and that's just the way it is. Okay. Yep, I can, I can see that point, too. So, I'd have to say, well, there's one show I've heard about, but I've never watched. I think it's Knights of Badassum. Or <laughs> Knights of Badassum. Bad-assum. I did watch that movie. It oh. is very much a geek movie. Oh, it's a movie? It's not a TV show? It is not a TV show. It is a movie. It is it is not safe for work nor small children, but it is a lot of fun. It's about these guys who set up... They're basically LARPers. Do you know what a LARP is? Yes, live-action role-playing. Actually yes, did an LARP. episode on LARPing uh, many, many episodes ago. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, so it's a group of these live-action role-playing guys, and the the big crux, the big fight is between these two different groups. They both think they do it a better way, and... You know, this, that, and the next thing. And it's just about this this competition they have to see who's the better LARPing group. But like I said, it's 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 very much uh, geek-based, but it's very vile in language. Um, it's not that great. Uh, it's not l- much less vile in the way that they portray people, especially um, for people who are sensitive to, like, gender roles and stuff. You the the way they dress the women up in you know chainmail bikinis and you're gonna you're not gonna enjoy this movie you know and, and that's just me trying to be the nice guy and not say hey yeah it's great it's a great geek movie and there's bad language in it and there's this and that but 
And then you sit down and you watch it and you're like, nobody told me about the chainmail bikinis. <laughs> there are chainmail bikinis in this movie. I'd have to say another movie series. I've only seen two of the three movies, The Gamers. And the, especially the first one, and I think the first one is a bit more effective because it has that low-budget look and feel to it. Well, that's because it was low budget. It yes, was it was. A, it was a it was a final paper basically for one of the guys in a in a um theater not a theater a movie um class. Okay, so I think that that movie has a certain charm because of that low budget aspect to it. But I think that's a good example of the type of humor that's made by geeks for geeks because I think we can any role player. You know, if you've been gaming for a while, you can look at that movie and you're like, I've gamed with people like that. (laughs) I think one of my favorite ones is there's a scene where, and I know we talked about this a while back, I think it was when we were discussing The Last Lovecraft, Okay, where the, the group of adventurers, they're at a table and the thief in the party, he sees a drunk person at the bar and he decides he's going to go over and, you know, he first, he picks his pocket. Then he steals his dagger. Then he pulls his, he steals his pants off of him without noticing. Well, while he's doing this, this big burly, I think it was like a mercenary. Yeah, that they had thought had died at some battle. Yeah, okay, he goes they up, left him for dead. Yep, he goes over to uh, confront them, and the rogue's like, does he notice me? Because he wasn't with the group, and DM rolls the dice. No, he doesn't notice you. It's like, I'm moving for a backstab, and... Oh yes. Also, one thing we got on—I gotta explain quickly for those of you who are not familiar with the gamers—and this is one of the things that I makes I think makes it a really good example of geek humor—is it alternates between what's happening at the gaming table and what would be happening to the characters. So essentially, what happens in our heads as we role play versus us eating Funyuns and drinking Coca-Cola. Exactly. And the thief's like, I go in for a backstab. He pulls out his dagger. And they're like, well, you know, he is a pretty big, tough guy. Do you think a dagger's going to do it? He's like, yeah, you're right. He pulls out a sword. He's like, no, I'm not sure if a sword's going to do it either. He's like, I know. I set up a siege crossbow. Yeah. He starts setting up the siege crossbow behind him. And the game master's like, you can't backstab someone with a ballista? He's like, yeah. they're like, there's no rules against it. Exactly. And like, like I said, we've all played with people like that. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and back to that scene, now that you brought that scene up, there is one part of that scene that I love is they, they, they flash back to the table. And the one guy's like, I can just see it. There you are sneaking up, you know, and you're twining up the crossbow. <laughs> and he's just oblivious to it. So, you know, and it's like in real life, if somebody's setting up a, a uh, you know, a siege weapon behind you, you're gonna hear it i don't care how enthralled and yelling at somebody you are so you know and as a dm that would be my exact response would be you can't do that well it's not in the rules that says i can't no but you know he's gonna make a listen check he's going to hear you and long before you have this all set up and ready to go he's gonna turn around and he's gonna kill you you know i keep threatening my current game master in my second edition campaign that one of these days i'm gonna make like a, a, a dual class Start him off as like a thief, so he gets backstab. Okay. Get him a few levels, then have him become like lawful good and become like a knight, like a paladin. So like just you know, then when he gets to the point where he could like cast like silence fifteen foot on himself. Okay. It's like okay, when someone's not looking, get on the war horse, cast silence, and backstab someone with a heavy horseman's lance from a charge. Now see now that. As much as I would hate that as a DM, I might let that happen. <laughs> Just because when was the last time someone said, I'm going to backstab you while charging on a war horse? Right. But I might let that happen just because the thought process that went in behind it and the fact that when you add all these things together, I would make you make a couple rolls. I'd probably make you make like a sneak roll to get on the horse. Yeah. You know, and well, maybe a concentration. Is, I, would have cast 15, I would have cast silence 15 foot radius on myself first. So they would okay. be able to hear me get on the horse. Then, you know, then I would do something like, well, then you need to give me a concentration check to make sure that you don't drop it while you're getting on the horse. And oh, getting okay. The and 
You know, I, I would let you do it. I wouldn't just give it to you, though. Yeah, that, that's understandable. So. so, and there's another scene later on that I really love in that particular movie um, where there's the thief character. It's like he goes into this room and he's like, he triggers a trap and he dies. And yes. uh, the player's like, but wait a second, I'm an experienced thief. I would have been checking for traps. So he's like, okay, fine. They back up. You walk into the room, you search for traps. You trigger it, you die. It's like, no, did I say I was walking, checking for traps? I meant I was crawling on my hands and knees, inch by inch. Checking for traps. Yeah. And I think the second one also does a really good job as well. Because in in the first one, they don't specifically say what game they're playing. Yeah, but all the books are, you know. Yeah, they've got like the paper bag covers on it, but you can kind of look and see it looks like it's third edition. Yeah. Whereas in the second one, you know, they they were playing third edition. They had the books out and everything. Right. And, and they had permission to use them. Yeah. And there was this one female player in the group. She was talking about how she made, you know, she didn't have a strength bonus. She put her highest abilities in like intelligence, charisma, and dexterity. Right. And they were harassed, you know, one of the other gamers was harassing her over it. And she's like, you know, she was talking to, that when they got in their first battle together, it's like she goes first because she took improved initiative. And they're like, no one takes improved initiative. And then she like, you know, does a bunch of cool things. And she's like, well, I took this feat with this feat. And, you know, because of that, I took that feat with this feat. And it's like my critical rating is now 13 to 20. Yeah, you know, and when when they said that, when they're like, nobody takes improved initiative, I'm like, I always take improved initiative. I'm a rogue. Exactly. (laughs) So, and there's one other movie that I think definitely falls into geek humor, but I don't think it does it with the same amount of charm as the gamers did. Okay. Uh, There's this company out there, Toxic Bag Productions, And this was back in the late 90s, so it was around the time when the Blair Witch Project was really popular. Okay. They made a a parody of it called the Blair the Bag Witch Experiment or something like that. Okay. The basic plot of this is they were going to Gen Con, and this was still when it was in Milwaukee. And supposedly there's this exclusive game that is limited to a certain number of people because they only play it like once every five or ten years. And they they developed this, like, you know, Blair Witch-type mystique around it where supposedly one year the gamers all disappeared and, um, you know, they were forced to, you know, put their stand against the corner while they rolled their, you know, their percentage dice to see if they survived. So it it kind of plays along the Blair Witch project, but it's, it's one of those movies where it has... It has its moments, but it doesn't pull off the humor as much as as it doesn't pull it off as well as the gamers did. Okay, now that one I'm not familiar with, but I'm I'm thinking it might be worth a look, especially if it's on like YouTube or something. I'm not sure. I mean, I haven't actually. I haven't tried looking to see if it's on YouTube. But well, any other examples you can think of of uh, geek humor before we move into memes? No, I I think the I think we've hit the you know the the um the the cream of the crop anyway, and I'm not coming up with anything off the top of my head at this point. So okay, so when we move on to the subject of memes, and we're going to be focusing on the geek humor type memes, and I'd have to say one of my favorites is there's a series the DM has had it with your crap. Roll initiative, bitch, <laughs> and. The first one I remember seeing this, it had a picture of a rhinoceros with a shark's head photoshopped on it. Okay. And it's like, again, the DM has had it with your crap. So here's a rhinoceros with a shark's head. Yeah. Roll initiative. Yep. And are there any others of that you've seen that have stood out for you? Yes. My personal favorite of those is, um, it says, uh, the DM has had it with your sh**. So here's Cthulhu and power armor. Roll initiative, bitch. You know, and it's one of those things, um, if you're a GURPS player especially, you're like, ooh, power armor. But then if you're a Cthulhu player, you're like, oh, my God, Cthulhu, why does he need power armor? It's Cthulhu. You know, so it's just, it's one of those things, it's like, it doesn't matter anymore. You've done, gone, and pissed off the DM. 
you're going to die. Yeah, and another good one, it's like it had something that looked like a living, like a huge mountain walking towards the characters. And it was like, the DM has had it with your crap. So here's a living mountain. Seriously, it's a f***ing living mountain. It's made. It's a walking mass of granite that spews f***ing lava. Seriously, what the hell are you going to do? <laughs> I have not seen that one. But now I want to see that one. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the best one, the DM has had it with your crap. So here's Chuck Norris. Don't bother rolling for initiative. You lose. Nice. Here's a question with that. Mm-hmm. As a DM, because I know you've run games in the past, have you ever just laid a smack down on someone, a god smack, and just, you're done? Not recently. I can't think of any. I mean, I'm sure there have been times where I've, I was literally sick of someone's crap, so I did something bad to him. But okay. I can't really think of a specific uh, situation right now. What about you? There's one that pops into my head. I was playing a game called um, Dead Earth, which is a post-apocalyptic world. You know, everybody's pretty much back on horses and shotguns and that kind of stuff. So all all the tech is really gone except for very little menial things. And um, I had a group that I was running with once, and there was one kid that played with us, and uh, he was constantly a... uh, a trial for me, you know, but I'm one of these guys. I figure I can always, I can always, you know, coax them along and help them along and teach them and, you know, make them into good gamers. Well, this kid was one of those guys that eventually I just kind of gave up on him. He would show up to play and stuff. And well, they came into this one town where the sheriff and all the people, they were very standoffish to outsiders, right? So the sheriff wrote up and said, you know, what's your business in town? And they're like, Oh, we just come to resupply. And he's like, all right, you know, the general store's over there, go do your stuff, get the hell out of my town, you know, kind of thing. And they're like, okay, and so everybody in the group, they go in, they buy what they need, and they leave. And there's this one kid, he's like, I'm not leaving town. I'm like, oh, okay. I said, what are you What are you doing? He's like, I'm just going to go to the bar. I'm like, all right, so we go, you know, we switch it over to a bar scene. Of course, you know, all the regulars are there because the bar never serves non-regulars because of the type of town it is, you know. And of course, so word gets back to the sheriff real quick that he's in there and he's, you know, and he's causing issues. Well, he's not really causing issues at this point, but he's an outsider, so he's causing issues. So the sheriff comes in, you know, takes him outside and he's talking to him. And he finally gets to the point where this kid's just bugging the hell out of me. So like the sheriff's been carrying the shotgun and he just lowers it down, puts it, points it right at his chest. And he's like, you have no right to shoot me. You can't shoot me. This isn't, you can't just, and I'm bam. I loaded both barrels into this guy's chest, right? <laughs> Blah! Yep. Spread him out. He's dead, you know. He's like, well, how many hit points? I said, does it really matter? You just took two shotgun blasts at no range. You know, you're not going to walk away from that. And so he got really mad at me, and he actually quit playing for quite a while. And uh so I guess it worked. But I don't like to just kill people. I just don't like going... Well, you made me mad, so zap, you're dead. That's just not the way I like to GM, but I, I did do it once, and uh, so I, I, I do have to admit to that. But yep. Well, on to something a little more lighthearted. Another meme that I've always enjoyed, Pun Goblin. Yeah, I saw that on the list when we were setting this thing up, and I don't know what a Pun Goblin is. Well, a Pun Goblin is a meme where the, it ha- it's a, it's, Two panels, a top one and a bottom one. And on the top one, it has a goblin with a somewhat serious look on his face. On the bottom, it has the same goblin, except now he has a big, toothy, happy-looking grin on his face. Oh, I just saw one of those today. Yep, and the top one will say something to the effect of, like, this is one of my favorite ones. Why are hit points so popular? Because it's the life of the party. That's the one I saw today. Yep, because they're the life of the party. (laughs) And another one is like... How does uh, Poseidon keep the ocean clean? He has mermaids. <laughs> or like, uh, what uh, what type of wizard should you see if your neck feels sore? A uh, neck romancer. Oh. Pun Goblin has a few good ones. 
Another good one is the Gary Gygax GMing, where usually it has like a picture of Gary Gygax, and he's asking a question, like, what do you do? And then the second one, it'll have a picture of like a character from usually a movie or a TV series. Below that, it'll sometimes it shows a role of a natural one, sometimes it shows a role of, of a natural 20, and then it right. has the result. Like, one of my yeah, favorite... One of my favorites. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, like one of my favorites on that one, uh, Gary is saying, you see a couple of uh, hobbits being attacked by a group of orcs. What do you do? Then it has a picture of Boromir. And it's like, I draw my sword and rush forward to defend them. And then it rolls a natural one. Then it shows the picture where he's, Boromir is kneeling down with all the arrows sticking out of him. Right, right. One of, one of my favorites is he's like, um, Gygax supposedly is saying, you know, you see a, a a goblin standing on the edge of a of a precipice. What do you do? And uh, they they cut to a, a player, and he goes, "I run forward and I push the gob or the orc off the cliff." And it shows a natural one. And then Gary's back, and he's like, "So as you go to push the goblin off, and you instead caress his back, the goblin is uncomfortable." <laughs> yeah, uncomfortable. That's one of my favorite ones. I'm like. All right. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen someone actually expand upon that one where it explains how they have this little, I think it was an orc, where they all of a, it leads into this relationship where they have this half-orc child. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's like, then it goes, the orc responds by trying to grapple you, rolls a natural one. It gives you a big hug instead. <laughs> See, um... I mean, oh yeah, another good one. This one's a little bit more sci-fi, but it says, you've got a show with an awesome story, a dedicated fan base, and a crew of talented actors. What do you do? And then it has a picture of Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly. Okay. And it says, I find a network that we can trust. And the rule's a natural one, Fox. Oh! Because, yeah, of course, unfortunately, I don't know if, were you ever into Firefly? Yes, yeah. You know, unfortunately, it got canceled before its first season was over. Right, yeah. Now, one of the other one, I, I had sent you this one. It's got Gary Gygax, but it's got it's got a picture of a Ford Ranger, um, a Nissan Rogue. The third panel is an Isuzu Wizard. And then the fourth panel is Gary, and he goes, all we need is a Chevy Cleric, and it's game on. Yep, the Ford Ranger, Nissan Rogue, Isuzu Wizard. <laughs> yep, and the Chevy Cleric. Yep, and let's see, another good one that I uh, I always enjoyed, and uh, this is one from Game of Thrones. It okay. had that picture of Sean being as, I think his character is Ned Stark. Okay. And it'll say, brace yourself. And then this one I've seen for both humorous results and also political ones as well. Like one that you usually see around the beginning of September. It's like, brace yourself. It's almost time for pumpkin spice flavored everything. Yes. So, and and like I said, I've seen that also used for political ones as well, but we're not going to go into that one right now. Oh, there's one I really like where it kind of crosses the line of two geekdoms. Okay. So you've got, um, and this is what the meme, it shows a guy standing in the, they got a pencil picture of a guy and it's, and he's kind of sad and it says, let's face it, fantasy football is just Dungeons and Dragons for people who inexplicably, inexplicably find rushing stats more interesting than slaying an Umber Hulk with a plus five Holy Avenger. Yep. And I, I've seen another one. It shows a bunch of fantasy football stuff laid out. Another mm-hmm. version shows a bunch of guys sitting around playing fantasy football. And it's like, fantasy football is D&D for jocks. Or yeah. another one, fantasy football. It's like Dungeons and Dragons for the guys who used to beat up on the guys who played Dungeons and Dragons. Right. You know, it's sad because I do do both. I, I do play fantasy football and I do play D&D. And... In a lot of ways, it's, it's really true. You do the same things. You sit down and you read and you try to figure out what you want to do. And then you make your choices and then see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Another good one. Um, are you familiar with Futurama? I'm familiar with the concept of Futurama, but I never really watched it or followed it or anything. Yeah. It's a show. It's a made by the, it's a cartoon made by the same guy who did The Simpsons. And yeah, there's Matt another Cooper. one that shows Fry squinting. 
And usually it's like, is that what something or something else? You know, I can't tell. And one, this ventures into the sports world, but there was a football game. I'm wanting to say it was 2012 between the, the Green Bay Packers and I forgot the other team, but it was like one of the ref, like someone threw a ball to one of the Packers in the end zone. And someone tackled him, and it was one of those calls where one referee was saying it was a touchdown, and the other one was saying it was an interception and no good. Okay. So it's like that spawned a few good memes. Like, you know, the it said the name of the guy who threw the ball. I forgot who it was. It's like the first person to ever throw a, a game-winning touch, you know, interception. Uh, it also invented a term, touchception, where it's a touchdown, but it was intercepted. But the one with Fry, he's like, are those referees or Foot Locker employees? <laughs> so, you know, usually that one is, you know, usually when, usually, it, well, it's like the sarcastic Willy Wonka one. It's usually used to be a bit more sarcastic as opposed to funny. Right. Whereas a lot of times, you know, when you get into sports memes, um, you and I actually have this little rivalry going because I'm a Packers fan. Yep. That's okay. No one's perfect. And and you're not, so like you said, <laughs> it's okay that no one's perfect. No, you are a Bears fan. Yes, I'm a Chicago Bears fan, and he's a Green Bay Packers fan. So I like to send you stuff where they got two little babies, one's crying his eyes out, and he's got a yeah, Bears jersey on. And then there's one, she's sitting there, and she's laughing, and she's got a Packers thing on, and it's, you know, and it's like, even the kid knows being dressed up in Bears gear is wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and there's another one, I, I, I admit, I... I'm a Chicago Bears fan, but I do find some of those memes kind of funny. Like, there's another one where it has um, a father and a son in the stands, and it looks like the father's trying to explain something to the kid, and they're both wearing Chicago Bear jerseys. And it's like, Dad, what's a quarterback? And it's like, I don't know, son. We're we're Chicago Bears fans. <laughs> well, you guys have Jay Cutler. What's a quarterback? <laughs> we didn't, I, I'm, not, I'm a Chicago's Bears fan. I don't know what a quarterback is. Well, you know, it's it's funny too because I mean, we could get in a whole discussion about about sports. I'm sure because you being a Bears fan, me being a Packers fan, we both root for franchises that are old, established, and great franchises. Yes, in and of themselves. So, I mean, you know, I could say, well, you know, the '63 Packers, and you go, well, the '85 Bears. You know, so I mean, we 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 all have our errors with our with our our respective teams, but it's just yes. one of those. At least for you and I, I believe it's a friendly rivalry. Yeah, that's one thing I do find is that usually the rivalry between Packers fans and Bears fans is usually usually pretty good natured. Uh, granted, most of it is Packer fans talking about how the Bears fans, you know, how the Bears suck and how they they haven't been as competitive as they should be. But we're not going to go down that path right now. Well, yeah, because who wants to talk about truth right now? Oh, <laughs> ouch. Well, moving on anyway. Yes. Um, <laughs> What's next on the list? <laughs> okay. Velociraptor. Oh, yes. Yep. It shows a, a raptor head in his claws, like below his chin, like he's thinking. And again, I've seen it used for both political and non-political reasons. There is one political version I've seen of it that I have to agree with. Velociraptor is thinking, if pro is the opposite of con, does that mean that Congress is the opposite of progress? <laughs> yes. Yep. And for my for uh, listeners outside the U.S., uh, the last few years our Congress hasn't exactly been uh, very popular. But we're not going to go into that right you now. Should explain that to the people in the United States, because I have found that most people outside the United States know more about what's happening here politically than people in the United States. You know, and 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 that is probably pretty sad. That yeah, the people outside the U.S. probably know more about our politics than we do. <laughs> yep. But yeah, uh, Velociraptor, he has a lot of them, and I can't think of any off the top of my head, but most of them make you laugh. Some of them make you think. 
Um, but yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, I like the one that you had in our notes here. You know, what if life is a video game and deja vu or just checkpoints? Oh yeah. That's another good one. That's yeah. That's a good one of a gamer one where, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's aimed more towards uh, a video gamer like yourself. I know enough about video games to find this funny, but that's one of those memes that could be for someone who, if they didn't know anything about video games, they could be like, you know, what's a checkpoint? Yeah, or maybe if they're just familiar with the older games where they didn't have really checkpoints. Oh, where when you turned it off, you just started over? Yeah, exactly. Or where, <laughs> you know, like one of the criticisms about some of the more modern games is that it's like there's a checkpoint every, you know, 30, every 30 feet. Right. So any other memes that you uh, think are noteworthy or that you've seen go around a lot that, you know, maybe are good examples of gamer geek type humor? Um, oh, there's one I like. It's a Dungeons and Dragons meme. And it just says, and it's, it's one of these things that as a player, you're going to be like, oh yeah. And as an outside, you're going to be like, what? So uh, a game where a three-hour walk takes five minutes, oh, yeah. but a five-minute battle takes three hours. Yep, Dungeons & Dragons. Where a ga- yeah, I remember that one. A game, a game where a three-hour walk takes five minutes. <laughs> or less. Yep. Because well, you could be... I, and I've done it. I'm like, you guys are going to be walking for three hours. Is there anything special you want to do? And everybody goes, nope. And you're like, all right, three hours later... You're there. You're right. But yeah, and in a five-minute battle, because when you break it down and you figure it out, you know, each each round is six seconds and blah, 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 and you figure it out and you're like, wow, that battle took three and a half minutes. And you're like, no, it took five hours. <laughs> well, I don't think I've ever had a, a battle that lasted, you know, that only that in real life would have taken just a few minutes ever go that far, that long. But I, I, I suppose it depends. I mean, if you... Sometimes you have one of those those battles where everyone is just getting really bad die rolls and yep. no one can hit anything. I've had that yep. happen. Yeah, and I guess I guess um, as long as we're doing miscellaneous, the last one in the group that I sent you, and I and I really love this one as a DM. It says, as a DM, when I die, I ask that my gaming group lower me into my grave. That way, they can let me down one last time. Yep. And <laughs> I know there's a few other video game memes that have gone around a little bit, like uh, in the game Skyrim, there's like, I guess one of the, the subplots in the game is you, you, you talk to people and they say how they used to be an adventurer, but then they took an arrow to the knee, so that one goes around every now and then, and uh, I don't know if, well, you remember playing some of the older games. Did you ever play Super Nintendo, specifically Star Fox? Star Fox I never played. I did play Super Nintendo, and and for those of you out there that are sad for me because I'm not a gamer, not a not a video gamer, I have pre-ordered my copy of the NES Mini that's coming out in November. Oh, cool. So that I will have 30 games that I can once again play because I won't get motion sick when I play them. <laughs> but, yeah, one of the ones in Star Fox you hear that you see in a lot of the different games is, do a barrel roll! Well, I think we're going to call this episode to a close. Excellent. Before we end today's episode, though, Chad, if people want to find you or if they want to hear more of your sexy voice, where can they find it? Well, they can find it right here on your channel, Al. Oh, yes, that's right. (laughs) Yes, um, Al has been helping me out. I have started a uh, podcast called Whose Podcast Is This Anyway? It's a whose uh, podcast is it anyway? Yes. Because, yeah, I think sometimes it's like we mix up the name where it's like, okay, is it is it whose podcast is it anyway or whose podcast is this anyway? Yeah, is it's is it anyway. Okay, so uh, who whose podcast is it anyway? Uh, and, and basically the concept is I have people come on, we sit down, we talk for uh, 20 minutes to 45 minutes. But the catch is I have no idea what the topic is. They bring the topic with them. And I have to make it entertaining and fun. And I think so far, so good. We've got, uh, I believe, three episodes out. Um, I'm going to let Al give you the address on that because it's the same place you get his at. It's just in his feed. You can see them. They are marked uh, uh, WPIIA and then episode one, two, three. But uh, I don't know, Al. Are we getting hits on these things? Yes, we are. The, um, we have been, it has been. 
uh, getting hit. So there are people listening and we don't certainly do. We do appreciate that. And with, for those of you out there who maybe haven't checked it out yet, um, the so far, well, I kind of have advanced knowledge because I'm doing all the, you know, Chad sends me his files and then I do like the final editing and, and stuff like that. And, you know, sometimes it does talk about, you know, sometimes it'll probably go into like political type things. Um, but so far on um, the day we're recording this, we're up to episode three, which the first two were about food. And then the, the most recent one was about, uh, Sir Terry Pratchett and his, uh, Discworld series, which I understand you knew nothing about. I knew nothing about, so how did I do? You I thought it. you did pretty good. Uh, and actually, <laughs> I didn't know anything about the Discworld series either. So, but yeah, check it out, poigamestudio.com, and you can find not only geekery in general, but you can find whose podcast is it anyway there as well. Excellent. So, with that said, thank you for tuning in and have a good morning or evening or afternoon whatever it is wherever you are and happy gaming